Um, we're going to read uh, our theme verse again this morning. I know you told you to turn to Matthew chapter 24. That's where we'll be, but uh, I'm just going to read our theme verse. Colossians chapter 3 says this. It's on the screen. You can follow along. Therefore, if you've been raised up with Christ, keep seeking things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. Again, we are raised up with Christ. If you're a Christian, you've been raised with Christ to a new life. And uh, we should be thinking about eternal things, heavenly things. And this study we're going through on the end uh, is prayerfully going to help us to do that, to fix our eyes on eternity, uh, to set our hearts uh, on that course for uh, pleasing God and living for Him in His eternal kingdom. And um, the last three weeks, we've been talking about uh, foundational things, some of the foundational things concerning the end times. And I just want to make another disclaimer. I know we've got the very uh, studied people in here as well. Um, but we didn't cover every minute detail about the foundational things. And that, for some of you, may be discouraging uh, because we got pretty thick into some of the weeds, right? We were talking about some things that were uh, just, just a lot of information. And uh, that wasn't every minute detail about foundational things that we could talk about uh, about the end times but uh, I just wanted to try to set the stage just a little bit so that we could get into the fundamental truths that we're going to get into this morning and then also the future hope some of the things that we have to look forward to some of the things that should drive us as followers of Jesus Christ in this world to know what we have to look forward to uh, based on God's uh, promises based on those fundamental truths and so we saw the condition in the beginning in this condition in the beginning where God had created man and, and he gave him a woman because it wasn't right for man to be alone. And, and then we saw that sin entered into the picture. And the snowball that we see throughout the history of mankind comes to the end times. And the end times we saw the condition of men in 2 Timothy chapter 3 where it says that there's difficult, there's dangerous times in the end. And I believe that we've been living in those times for a long time. Uh, but it's getting worse. And we'll talk a little bit more about that this morning and, and why we believe that uh, it's getting closer and closer, closer. Of course, by nature, it's getting closer. But we also looked at the various theories, as I said, uh, different positions concerning not only the rapture, uh, but also the millennium. And we also looked at the interpreting and the, uh, the, uh, the methods or the views of interpreting prophetic scripture, namely uh, Revelation. And uh, this morning, and I just want to start with some of the fundamental truths about the end. So we're going to read some uh, scripture, and these, these texts that we're going to read are from the same uh, teaching that Jesus gave. But there's going to be some things that we pick up from, from all three. And so that, just bear with me. We're going to read for a little bit. Don't fall asleep, like I said last week. Uh, but we're going to read God's word together. And it says this in Matthew chapter 23. If you remember, the disciple had already asked him, tell us when these things will happen. And what will be the sign of, your, a sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And so here's Jesus' reply in verse 4. Jesus answered and said to them, See to it that no one misleads you, because many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ. And they will lead many, mislead many. You'll be hearing of wars and rumors of war. See that you are not frightened. For those things must take place, but that is not yet the end. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and in various places there will be famines and earthquakes. But all these things are merely the beginning of birth pangs, just the beginning. 
Then they will deliver you to tribulation, and they will kill you, and you will be hated by all nations because of my name. At that time, many will fall away and will betray one another and hate one another, and many false prophets will arise and mislead many. The use of the word many is redundant over and over and over. Because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end, he will be saved. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, which is spoken of through Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, and let the reader understand, then those who are in Judea must flee to the mountains. Whoever's on the housetop must not go down to get things out of there that are in his house. Wherever, or whoever's in the field must not turn back to get his cloak. But woe to those who are pregnant and those who are nursing babies in those days. But pray that your flight will not be in the winter or on, the, or on Sabbath. For then there will be great tribulation, such as has not occurred since the beginning of the world until now, nor ever will be until, unless those days had been cut short, no life would have been saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. Then if anyone says to you, behold, look, here's the Christ, there he is, do not believe him. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and will show great signs and wonders so as to mislead, if possible, even the elect. Behold, look, he says, I've told you in advance. So if they say to you, behold, he's in the wilderness, do not go out. Or behold, he's in the inner rooms, do not believe them. For just as the lightning comes from the east and flashes even to the west, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. Wherever the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. He says it will be obvious. Just like where vultures gather around the corpse, you'll know, you'll see the Son of Man's return. But immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from the sky, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. And he will send forth his angels with a great trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of the sky to the other. Now learn the parable of the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender, it puts forth, and puts forth its leaves. Uh, you know that summer is near. So you too, when you see all these things, recognize that he is near, right at the door. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But of that day and hour, no one knows. Not even the angels of heaven nor the Son, but the Father alone. For the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, they were going about their lives and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they didn't understand until that flood actually came and took them all away. Listen to what he says. So will the Son of Man, the coming of the Son of Man be. Then there will be two men in the field. One will be taken. One will be left. Two, will be taken. Two, two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken. And one will be left. Mark chapter thir uh, 13 tells a, a very similar account of this. Uh, but I want to look in <clears throat> Luke chapter 
21. Because there's a few things in this that I think are important to pick out. So we're going to read and you're going to hear some very similar things in this. While some were talking in the temple that was adorned with beautiful stones and votive gifts, he said, as for these things which you're looking at, the days will come in which there will not be, uh, be left one stone upon another which will not be torn down. And they questioned him, saying, Teacher, when therefore will these things happen? And, and what will be the sign that these things are about to take place? And he says, See to it that you're not misled, for many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and the time is near. Do not go after them. When you hear of wars and disturbances, do not be terrified, for these things must first take, pla- take place first, but the end does not follow immediately. Did you hear what he said? The end doesn't follow immediately after this. He then continued then saying, saying this, Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes in various places, plagues and famines. There will be terrors and great signs from heaven. But before all these things, before these things happen, they will lay their hands on you and they'll persecute you. They'll deliver you to the synagogues and prisons, bring you before kings and governors for my name's sake. And it will lead to an opportunity for your testimony. So make up in your minds not to prepare beforehand to defend yourselves. For I'll give you utterance and wisdom which none of your opponents will be able to resist or refute. But you will be betrayed even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends and they will put some of you to death. And you'll be hated by all because of my name. Yet not a hair of your head will perish. Which is an amazing promise, right? Especially to those disciples who many of them were martyred for their their faith and martyred because they were apostles. Uh, But the promise is not just for this life, right? We understand that uh, the promises of God uh, are, are eternal promises. So they are, aren't just about, well, God says I wasn't going to die. No, that's not true. The Bible says the point of a man wants to die. It says that we're all. But for the Christian, death is a door. It's, it's not death in fina- uh, finality. It's, it's the beginning of our eternal existence with the Lord. So those who are in Judea, verse 21, must flee to the mountains, and those who are in the midst of the city must leave, and those who are in the country must not enter the city, because these are the days of vengeance, so that all things which are written will be fulfilled. Woe to those who are pregnant, and to those who are nursing babies in those days, for there will be great distress upon the land, and wrath to this people, and they will fall by the edge of the sword, and will be led captive into all the nations, the diaspora. And Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles, listen to these words, until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. There'll be signs in the sun and the moon and stars and the earth and on the earth dismay among nations and perplexity at the roaring of the sea and the waves, tsunamis, hurricanes, men fainting from fear and the expectation of the things which are coming upon the world for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. But when these things begin to take place, straighten up, lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing nigh, near. Then he told them a parable. Behold, look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they put forth the leaves, you see it. And you know for yourselves that summer is now near. You, you can see the way things are going. When they begin to bud, they begin to put out their leaf, you know that eventually or, or, near is, is summer, right? We're going to see that. Everything's starting to die off right now. Eventually, it's going to all be brown and, and no, no leaves except for the evergreens. And what's going to happen in spring is they're going to start budding and leaves are going to start coming out. And we know what's going to happen in summer. That's what he says. So you also, when you see these things happening, recognize that the kingdom of God is near. 
Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Beyond guard so that your hearts will not be weighted down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of life. And, and, and that day will not come on you suddenly like a trap. For it will come upon all those who dwell on the face of all the earth. But keep on the alert at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are about to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. Now, that is a lot of information. Those are a lot of fundamental truths about the end. And we're not going to, all in one morning, one service, just uh, exegete every single one of those uh, truths that we found here. But I want you to remember who Jesus was talking to, first of all. We've got to understand some fundamental truths about who he was talking to. He was talking to his disciples. Who were his disciples? They were Jews. But who were they namely? Who were they specifically? They were the foundation of the church. They are, we just studied it, they are our heritage. While they are Jews, and probably most in here are not, They are our spiritual heritage. And I want you to understand something that was taught back in verse 24. Look what it says. They will fall by the edge of the sword and will be led captive into all the nations, and Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. Now this gives us a clear indication of an unknown period of time, Right? We, don't, we, we understand that, that this is going to happen, or this, this is going to be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles. In other words, Jerusalem is going to be in Gentile control until the times of the Gentiles are over, which is an interesting thing, and we're going to get into that in just a second. But with these things, Christ teaching on the, uh, the end what was a very broad one. Okay, He was talking to the disciples, spanning this entire church age until his return. So we know from these texts some fundamental truths concerning the end times that I think we need to um, help us to straighten up our necks and to live our lives on alert, ready, because we should be seeing things that are telling us what he just said, that he's right at the door. The first thing that we see in our notes is some things have already happened. Some things that Jesus was telling them there had already happened. Now, this is not the preterist view. I'm not saying that uh, it's just uh, what he was telling them is a, is a, a complete historic fulfillment, uh, already historically fulfilled. I'm not saying that. But go with me on this because I believe that some things were actually fulfilled because history tells us that. In 168 B.C., all right, so think about this. This is 170 years before Jesus came on the scene. All right, about 170 years before Jesus was, there was a Greek king called Antiochus Epiphanes, Antiochus IV, Epiphanes. And he gave himself that name, Epiphanes, because it was basically saying he was the glorious one. Which is interesting, right? This happened before Jesus. He invaded Jerusalem and he captured the city of Jerusalem. He marched into the Jewish temple. He erected a statue of the Greek god Zeus and there in the Holy of Holies, he sacrificed a pig on the altar of incense. Sound like an abomination of desolation to me. Sound like he desolated the holy place. Before Jesus was here. Before Jesus said these things would happen. And so why are we talking about this? Just follow with me. 
But this, this actually uh, provoked a revolt in Judea as the Jews fought to remove Antiochus' sacri uh, sacrilege from the temple. Under the leadership of the Maccabees, the Jews drove Antiochus and his army out, and the Jews gained control of their land for about 100 years until Pompey, an acclaimed Roman general, captured the holy city again and brought it under Roman rule. And so we get up to that point to where Jesus comes on the scene and is under Roman rule at that point in time. But many ancient Jews viewed the actions of Antiochus Epiphanes as a fulfillment of what Daniel chapter 27 says, which is what Jesus just told his disciples about in, about the end times, right? Matthew, I mean, Daniel chapter 9 verse 27 says this, On the wing of abomination shall come one who makes desolate. However, the time frame in verses 24 through 27, with the decree of Cyrus that he sent the Jews back to the land after exile, which is what we, a little bit what we read in Ezra, it makes it possible that Daniel's, I'm sorry, impossible, that Daniel's prophecy refers to Antiochus Epiphanes. The year 186 B.C. was far too early to fit the prophecy, but the year 70 A.D. was not. So why 70 A.D.? Why is 70 A.D. so uh, important to what Jesus said if, if it already happened what Daniel said and, and yet Jesus referred to what Daniel said? Why is 70 A.D. so important? It was in that year that the Roman general Titus invaded Jerusalem. And he did so to crush a Jewish revolt. You know what Titus did? He too entered into the temple had the building destroyed, and he carried off the lampstand and the other temple artifacts to Rome. It's also believed that he set up things and worshipped false gods there as well. But it seems incontrovertible that Titus' actions were the specific fulfillment of Jesus' warning in Mark 13, 14 about the abomination of desolation standing where he ought not to be. After all, the parallel that's in Matthew chapter 24 that we read says that the abomination would stand in the holy place. Again, a clear reference to the temple. Christ told the disciples that when they saw the abomination, that they were to flee the city. They were not to return from the field for their possessions if they were out working in crops. If they were on their rooftops, which many of the houses were there on the wall, the city wall, and they had uh, ways to get out of their houses on the outside of the wall, they were not to go down from the rooftop into their house and get their stuff, but rather flee their house. They were to scurry down those outside staircases and flee to the mountains. The flight would be so perilous, Jesus would say, that winter travel would be difficult and pregnant women would find hard to keep up with the pace that they were fleeing the city. Now here we go. Josephus, a Jewish historian, who gives us the clearest first-hand account of Jerusalem's fall in 70 AD, reports that the Jewish Christians in Judea heeded Jesus' warnings. When the city and the temple fell, more than one million Jews died. But Jewish Christians, by and large, were not among them because they had already fled the city when they saw what Titus did. Exactly what Jesus told them to do. When they saw what happened in the temple happen, they fled. Now, as I said, I'm not just saying that 
from a preteris, which we talked about, the historical fulfillment of the prophecies concerning the end times. But I'm saying that because just because some of these things happen doesn't mean that some of these things can't be perpetual or repeated. And I would say, no, it doesn't mean that. The reason why is because we saw in 186 B.C. that Antiochus Epiphanes did what Titus did in 70 A.D. So is it not plausible that there would be another time in the future that something in Jerusalem, in the holy place, would do exactly what had already been done? And therefore the Jews, the Christian Jews, or the Christians there would have to do the same exact thing. Again, just because some of the prophecies about the temple and Christians fleeing happen doesn't mean that it won't happen again. Now, what does the fact that some of these things already happened mean? And what does it cause us to do? In your notes, I'll put a couple of things. Number one, it means that God always keeps his word. First of all, the fact that some of these things have already happened, the fact that it, it, it happened exactly like Jesus told them, this is, you know, around 30 A.D. or so when Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's preparing them. He's giving them, uh, this is what's going to happen. You just asked me a big question. I just gave you a, a monumental answer that some of these things are going to be hard to understand. And, and so at about 30 A.D., he's telling them things. So about 40 years later, Titus goes into the temple and does this. It means that God always keeps his word. Number two, it should cause us to trust every word and obey every charge concerning who we are to be and what we are to do. And specifically talking about the end times, when we read that we are to be on alert, that we are to set our mind on things above, that we are to live in alertness and readiness, that when we hear Jesus say those things, that's how we should actually live. We should actually live like the kingdom of God is the kingdom that we are a part of. That's how we should live our daily lives. Not just when we see an election go the way that we don't want it to go. Not just when we see earthquakes and weird natural events and stuff in the sky that people are taking pictures of and posting and saying, what in the world is that? I've never seen anything like that in the sky before. They should... Remind us of what we're already supposed to be doing every day. But the second thing is this. Some things are currently happening. Point two is this. Some things are currently, not, not, not just the fact that we know some things have already happened that Jesus prophesied. Some things are currently happening right now. It's obvious that some of the things, again, Jesus told them then and there came true. We can see history. But just as it was before that time and during that time, there are high possibilities that there are things that happened then that are repeating signs that are going to happen over and over again. And not just that, similar to the, the, the Antiochus Epiphanes and Titus. Things like that happened then and like birth pangs, Jesus said. You remember what he said? Like birth pangs. These are the beginnings of birth pangs. So he was giving us an indication that these things are going to happen and they will continue to happen and they will increase like birth pangs, like a woman in labor they will culminate to the end of when he returns for example no doubt jesus said in in chapter 24 of matthew verse 4 he said this see that no one leads you astray why he says because what's going to happen and is that many will come in my name saying i'm the christ 
and they will lead many people astray. That was happening then. Right after Jesus left, there were others who came and claimed to be Messiah. It was happening then, and guess what? It's happening now. The same thing. And even if it's not just saying, I am Christ, they, are, they come deceiving many And you see, people say, I got a word from God, and it's not in God's word. Well, it's not a word from God then. Did you hear that? If somebody tells you they got a word from God, and it's not in God's word, it's not from God. God has given us his word. And if we are to add anything to or take anything away, you are to be accursed, is what Revelation says. But look what he says in verse 6. And you will hear of wars and rumors of war. Guess what? That was happening then. And it's happening now in greater number and frequency. He says, but see that you're not alarmed for this has to take place. But the end is not yet. Why? Because what's going to happen is nation is going to rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there are going to be famines and earthquakes in various places. Guess what? That happened then in history. And it's happening now. Please hear this. With much greater frequency. As I said... Look what he said in verse 8. All these things are but the beginning of birth pangs. You're going to see this stuff happen, but as it gets closer to my return, they are going to increase in intensity and frequency. It's going to be so obvious. You're going to know that I'm right there at the door. Obviously, birth pangs have a beginning. Ladies, amen. Oh, what was that? (laughs) And they have an end, praise God, right? Can you imagine if you got pregnant? Once you got pregnant, you get birth pangs for the rest of your life, even after the baby? That would be a miserable curse, Eve. Praise the Lord, God's mercy. Verse 9, then they will deliver you up to tribulation, put you to death. You'll be hated by all nations for my name's sake, and then many will fall away. They'll betray one another, hate one another. Here it is. Many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. I believe that we're seeing that now at the highest rate that we've ever seen. Because the lawlessness, I'm sorry, because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. I think we see that at a scale that we haven't seen. But the, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. Again, that was happening. We know the disciples went out. The church was dispersed. We know that Paul would go out in the 60, uh, the 60 A.D.s. He would go out to Asia Minor. We read that in in Acts. And churches would be started. And we spread around the known world. The gospel was proclaimed throughout the world. It was happening then. And it's happening now, obviously now in 2020, with greater number. And I believe even maybe greater frequency in some places. But then he says this. Then the end will come. That's when the end will come. Just by way of example to to prove this point as far as you're going to see these things happening, and, and it's like the beginning of birth pangs, he, listen to this. According to the world, I put this on the screen, world meteorolo- meteoro- <laughs> meteorological, there you go, organization, the number of disasters over the last 50 years has increased fivefold. Do you get what that's saying? Natural disasters. This is flooding and, you know, hurricanes, everything. Severe storms, winter storms. Last 50 years, our lifetime, the last 50 years, 
the number of them has increased fivefold from previous years. Just in our nation, just in the United States, eight out of the ten years, listen, with the highest number of natural disasters have occurred in the last decade. You get what that's saying? That means that in our nation's history, in the top ten greatest or the, you know, the, 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 the worst or the number, I'm sorry, the number of natural disasters, eight out of the top ten have happened in the last ten years. If that's not increasing in intensity and frequency, I don't know what is. We saw also the condition of the church in the first sermon. How many are denying a biblical worldview? Even in the pulpits, denying a biblical worldview. How cold is the love of mankind grown? What does the fact that some of these things are still happening mean and cause us to do? There's two things in your notes. Number one, it means that God isn't done and the end is coming quickly. God isn't done. The fact that some of this stuff is happening now and we're seeing it, we're seeing the increase of these storms, the increase of these natural disasters, the fact that we see exactly what Jesus said would happen, happen in our lifetime, it means that God's, he's obviously not done because we're not out of here. He's obviously not done because he hasn't returned, but I believe it means he's coming soon. Secondly, it, it should cause us to devote our lives more and more every day to living for the kingdom of God and not for our own kingdom. And I think that's probably one of the greatest struggles of so many of us Christians today is we get an idea of what it is to live for God's kingdom and then we start building our own kingdom based on that idea versus being a part of his kingdom, period. Versus living for his kingdom, period. We get an idea of what living in the kingdom of God is like and then we kind of do a spinoff of our own kingdom that resembles the kingdom of God. The third thing is this. Some things are yet to happen, obviously. Obviously, some things are yet to happen. We saw in Luke chapter 24, uh, 21, verse 24, they will fall by the edge of the sword and be led captive among all nations, and Jerusalem be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles. This happened. We, we, we saw that, Titus, 70 AD. Uh, some of you know what's happened in history, right? 1948, what happened? Israel became a nation again. We'll get to that in just a second. But because he says this, until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. 1948, Israel obviously becomes a nation. But that wasn't enough, right? Because what we talked about is that Jerusalem would be trampled, right? Jerusalem not only didn't say that Israel would be in their land, but Jerusalem specifically would be under Gentile control. You know what happened in 1967? Jerusalem took the whole land. They could have kept going. They could have taken Egypt. They, I mean, God had supernaturally empowered them. And for the, this, this week span, they came and they took everything. But you know what's so interesting? They didn't, even though they, they, they took Jerusalem and the Temple Mount, you know what they didn't include in, in the agreement? that it was their possession. And so if you look at a map today of who controls what, Israel, Israel's military uh, guards the Temple Mount, but it's under Arab 
control. You know what Arabs are, right? Gentiles. Some of you have been to Israel. Some of you have seen pictures. Some of you know exactly what is on the Temple Mount and where it's believed that the holy place is. And I know what's there. It's called the Dome of the Rock. There on the Temple Mount, right about probably, it's either right next to or right on the spot of where the Holy of Holies is, there's an abomination still standing in the holy place that makes desolate. An abomination that makes desolate. On the Temple Mount, there's a shrine, that, the, the Dome of the Rock, a shrine to an antichrist, Muhammad, and to a false god, Allah. So while these things have happened, 70 AD, there are obviously things that are still happening and things still to come. The time of the Gentiles is still now. That's what we know. We also know what Jesus said, that the gospel would be preached to all the world, and then the end would come. Guess what's still happening right now? There are still missionaries going out. There are still church members going out. There are still people going and giving the gospel to the world. This is still going on. But we know that while all of this is happening, birth pangs are increasing in their intensity. Again, natural disasters, diseases, amen, right? Even man-made diseases, signs in the heavens. There, everything is increasing. The love of the, the callousness of the heart of mankind is becoming more and more obvious. Jesus would say in Luke chapter 21 again, he said, there will be signs in the, in the sun and the moon and the stars and, the, and on the earth dismay among nations in perplexity at the roaring of the sea and the waves, men fainting from fear. And the expectation of the things which are coming upon the world for the powers of the heaven will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in, cloud, in, the, in a cloud with power and great glory. But when these things take place, begin to take place, I'm sorry, straighten up. When you start to see there's, there's still an abomination standing in the whole place. When you see that the, the frequency of these natural disasters and pestilence, diseases and pandemics and all these things begin to happen over and over. When all this stuff begins to increase in frequency and intensity, then straighten up. Lift your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Verse 32 would say, Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away. My words will not pass away. And we'll get into what I believe that is in another sermon. But what does the fact that some things are yet to happen mean? And what does it cause us to do? The two things under point three is this. Number one, it means that God is coming soon. That, that's what it means. It means that just because... He hasn't come, and, and, and again, we read those scriptures. They're going to say, oh, it's been, everything is the same way since it's been, since creation. Jesus isn't coming any sooner than he was a thousand years ago. Remember, that's what scripture told us. There are going to be people mocking and saying these things. But he said, you're going to see these things, and you, with the Spirit of God inside of you, and you with discernment, and you with the words that I've given you, the promises that I've made, 
you will know when these things start to take place that your redemption's near. You're going to know that it's coming soon. Even though you don't know the day or the hour, you know that your Lord's coming soon. It means that God is coming soon. Our Lord's returning soon. And second of all, it should cause us to live in spiritual alertness and intensity. Alert to things, not paranoid about things, not allowing the things in this world to cause fear in our hearts, not allowing when natural disasters or diseases or anything come along. That's what he says. Don't, don't, don't let these things cause you to fear. Know that these things have to happen before he returns. So it should cause us to be spiritual. Oh, this is, uh, I've never heard of this before. Oh, wow, this is weird. I've never heard of a tornado in that even everybody in, 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 in meteorology is saying there's never been a tornado in that part of the world. Oh, wow, that's an earthquake. That's never been in that area of the world before. That's, that's it. Oh, that's what Jesus said would happen. Oh, wow, that, that's, that's the most destructive hurricane that our land has ever seen. Oh, that's the most destructive hurricane. Oh, Jesus said that this would happen. So it caused us to live in spiritual alertness, but also intensity. With biblical fidelity. So that we have the strength needed. Please hear these next words. When the difficult days come. You and I have been amazingly blessed. You've heard me say this. We're living this week and having Thanksgiving. And you know we, we, we enjoy the meals and the time with family. And, and rest and, and all those things. We, all those things. But man... I think what ends up happening for a lot of us is while we are filled with gratitude for the blessings that we have, I think we really lose sight how blessed we really are. I mean, we are abundantly blessed. And we see things happen in our world that even makes our, our pocket bit, pocketbooks pinch a little bit. And, 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 and things cause us to, oh, what's going on in the world? Man, things seem weird and, and unrest and all these things. What it needs for when these things start happening in our world as Christians, it should cause us to be more alert, more spiritually intense, more, more faithful to God's word, so that when it gets difficult and hard, and we realize, man, I'm gonna start having to sacrifice some things on this earth, I'm gonna have to start giving some things, some temporal things, some convenient things, some things that I'm used to living with, I'm gonna have to give, give those things up. Uh oh, now persecution's coming. Now, now they're starting to talk about uh, taxing us if we travel to church. Or they're starting to talk about that if you say these certain things. We were just reading yesterday at a family get-together. that um, not, I'm not saying this is connected, but it might be. That Facebook's supposedly uh, getting rid of uh, political and religious information on your profile. They don't want anybody to be offended by you saying that you're a Christian. What? That's exactly, the, that's exactly the way the world works. And the more and more it gets like that, and the more and more uh, they try to, uh, some of you may not know about this, but there is a, uh, a, a, a bill in the Senate that they voted on. I hadn't seen what the result is. The preliminary vote is that it passed. I wrote to our senators in, in Texas and said, please don't vote for this. And I got a response from uh, John Cornyn, 
his office, of course, a, a, a reply. But um, basically, the the uh, it's like a Freedom of Marriage Act or something like that. It's a it's a it's a Marriage Freedom Act or something to that effect. And basically, it's just trying to level the ground, is what they're saying. Level the ground for anybody who wants to be married, heterosexual, homosexual, transgender, anybody, anybody. So it's just to protect the the marital rights of anybody. But you know what snuck in that bill? An attack on religious freedom. An attack on churches being able to say, no, we don't perform those type of weddings. An attack on other businesses to say, I'm sorry, we can't, we can't do that for you because we don't believe this is honoring to God for a man and a man to get married. And so by law, they would be persecuted for their faith. You see how quick things could just slip? A lot of people don't even know, oh, that was even a thing. Absolutely. And guess, guess, guess who's wanting it to go through is the Senate. Well, guess who will probably sign that if it passes? The president into law. That's what I'm saying. It, it can slip real quick, and you and I can find ourselves in a, in, a, in a drastically different place than we were, right? Everybody can remember. We can flash back to 2020, unfortunately. And remember how quickly things can change in our world. We need to remember, man, we're here for just a temporal time. And we're here for God's pleasure. And when we see these things happening in our world, it should cause us to get more spiritually alert, more intense spiritually. It should cause us to hold to God's word and know God's word more so that we have the strength when things get really, really difficult for us to live here. Because that's what Jesus promised would happen. But he who endures to the end will be rescued. That's what the promise was. If you're here this morning and you're not positive about what's going on or maybe you hear about these things and you're saying man that makes me nervous i don't know what's going to happen to me after i die i don't know what's going to happen to me if jesus were to return if you're here and you're like that i'm going to beg you right now we're about to have an invitation i'm going to ask you to come forward during this invitation i want to pray with my family after i'm done you can grab me or there's people on this front row the first two rows you can grab and say hey i, I, I want to know for sure that I'm going to heaven when I die, or if Jesus were to come back, I want to know that I'm going to go be with him forever. Because if you don't have that assurance right now, then your life is going to be marked by fear and uncertainty. And I'm telling you right now, you can leave this place with 100% assurance that you're going to spend eternity with him. So I'm begging you, come to this altar during this invitation. But Christians, when we see this stuff happening, it should cause us to get excited. We're about to see our Lord we're about to see Jesus face to face. We were just saying songs, and, and it mentioned, then Christ shall come with shouts of acclamation. And I just, one of these days we're going to see it, it's going to happen. We should be living our lives in intense spiritual alertness and biblical fidelity. Let's make sure we're doing that. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for what you do in our lives. Again, we thank you for the opportunity to spend time in your word and to to consider what you've told us about the end. And I know there's been generation after generation saying that you're coming in their generation, Lord, that you're returning uh, in their lifetime. But there's no doubt with every year and with every decade that passes, we're seeing some things that are unprecedented in not only our nation, but in our world. And so I pray as, as your, your church, as your people, we would be spiritually alert. That every time a news uh, release or breaking news comes out and, it, and, it, and is disheartening for us as believers and we see 
just more of the moral slide. Uh, we, we see more of, of the spit in your face. Uh, God, we see the, just the disregard for who you are and uh, all of that just come more and more to our face. God, I pray that it would cause us to uh, just be more intense and more uh, faithful to you. Lord, I do pray that you just move now in this invitation as we respond to your word. Just be glorified in our response. In Jesus' name, amen. As the music plays, I want to invite you to come.